the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, on today's program, we are pleased to have joined us the lead pastor of Grace Church of Fremont. He has been involved for many years in church planting and also has a tremendous heart for reaching and meeting people where they are, addressing felt needs and seeing that as a means by which God can open a door to touch hearts and lives. Joining me today on the program is the lead pastor of Grace Church of Fremont, Pastor Josh Roden. Pastor Roden, great to have you with us today. Craig, thank you so much, and to KFAX for having us on. I really appreciate it. You have, as I suggested in my opening remarks, a a very broad and varied background. You have worked uh, literally in the trenches, engaged in church planting. I made a reference to your heartbeat for addressing felt needs. You have served not only as a co-director of CityServe's Compassion Network, but currently sit on CityServe's board. So we want to break it all down and give our listeners a chance to know a bit of about what's going on in your heart, and most importantly, what God is doing at Grace Church in Fremont. But take us back, if you would. Walk us through kind of your spiritual journey to the cross. Uh, I was uh, raised in the Bay Area in San Leandro. My dad planted a church there when I was three years old, so grew up in the East Bay. And had a heart and love for ministry from real early years of life, and so... I'm not sure how uh, wise in hindsight the decision was, but God's faithfulness has been good. My wife and I, um, as kids, uh, moved here, moved back here after college in the summer of 2002 to plant the church. And so we've been serving now in the East Bay. The church started in Newark, and uh, we then uh, partnered with a sister church in our network um, and moved to Fremont about eight years ago. So, yeah, 21 years now of pastoral ministry. And over that time, like you said, I was the director of church planting for um, our region of Venture Church Network, oversaw, I think, about 13 or 14 church plants and uh, partnered with our local pastors here in uh, the Tri-Cities, Fremont, New York, and Union City, CityServe, um, helping with uh, co-directing our nonprofit Compassion Network for a season. So, yeah, I've done a little bit of everything, and God's just been very faithful um, in many ways. Um, this is a challenging area. You know, as you talk to church planners and pastors, the, the percentage of Christians, the percentage of people in the Bay Area uh, that attend a Christian church is significantly lower. That's the reality than the rest of California for sure. But uh, in so many ways, it's also a it's a mission field. We don't have to go anywhere. Um, they're coming here and we get to represent Jesus. My prayer is that the church I lead and, and just the, the brothers and sisters that I get to serve with, that we we do that well, that we carry his name well and we represent him well to our community. That's a fascinating standpoint, because I'm sure some eavesdropping on this conversation would think, 
gee, he's got roots in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's a PK. He ought to know that this is an area where there is certainly a tremendous need. And, and sometimes pastors want to take the easier route out and say, I'm going to go where the ministry is going to be the easiest instead of where it's going to be the toughest. But you've kind of zeroed in on, shall we say, ground zero of outreach, which has a fascinating dynamic to it. Because when you talk about an opportunity to reach the world for Christ, that certainly defines the Bay Area. It really does. Uh, you know, I had, I was, I was thinking about this conversation this weekend. Um, I had to have a conversation with somebody who's just new to our church. We're going through a 10 year visioning process. And so these series of dinner gatherings that my wife and I are leading, uh, and it was exciting. I was meeting this person for the first time. He's been coming to our church for, I think, over a month. And so I'm, I'm having, uh, this meal. There's 20 of us in the house and I'm getting to know him and, uh, he just, immigrated here from China, um, it, you know, asked about his spiritual background and no, no one in my family is Christian. And um, he felt like he wanted to learn about Christianity. So he started coming to our church and he's heard the gospel. And we, um, some of the, our leaders just started to conversate with him. And over this month, this Sunday, he's getting baptized. And so, you know, he was very, you know, just excited. He's thrilled that he found Jesus. And one of his statements was, this really is good news. And we said, yeah, that's actually a Christian word. It's called the gospel. And and so I get to baptize him this Sunday. And I just thought, you know, uh, here we are uh, in God's sovereignty and is his grace. He allowed this to happen, you know, to send this person here to Grace Church for this season. And um, those types of events happen in the Bay Area, I think, more than anywhere else in the United States because of the diversity. And yes, that brings a challenge. And yes, we're playing. I would say we're, we're not playing with home field advantage. Um, we're, we're on their territory. But at the same time, you know, the, the gospel is powerful. The Holy Spirit does work. And the truth, as Paul says in Timothy, you know, the word of God does pierce and it divides our hearts and it reveals to us our need of Christ. And so getting to serve here, yeah, there's been plenty of ups and downs. You don't pastor in one area for 20 years without um, good and bad seasons. Uh, but God is faithful and he provides. And then you have these stories that you would never get to experience. Um, and so, yeah, we're in a wonderful season of, and just seeing God's faithfulness and raising our family here. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to serve anywhere else, honestly. Uh, so I'm grateful I get, I get to be here. And I've got so many great brothers and sisters, like pastors. We're not in competition. We love each other. And um, that makes all the difference in the world. And I guess to the greatest degree, it also presents the opportunity to sort of live out the fullness of the gospel. And by that, I mean, you know, sometimes we have the image, the old um, sawdust trail leading to the altar. You preach a message. Somebody responds. They they come to Christ, job done, next. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're dealing with differing cultures, many for whom perhaps have never been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ in any form or fashion whatsoever. And then add to that the notion of, and I, and I always, I, I love this imagery in scripture. As we look at Christ's earthly ministry, Every time he was about to minister to a crowd, there was always emphasis on addressing real needs, 
felt needs, whether it was bringing sight to the blind, healing the lame, feeding the 5,000, there was always that sense of sensitivity to the immediate needs, certainly eternity first foremost on the agenda. Of that, there's no doubt. But understanding, too, that demonstrating Christ's love goes to the heart of not only learning how to love one another as a means of also demonstrating who we are change lives, new creatures in Christ, but also that unique opportunity to allow God to love others through us. I think in many respects that helps to scream out the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we can quote chapter and verse, but it's one thing to preach the gospel. It's something I think entirely different to allow it to encompass the totality of your life so that we are in every respect living the gospel, which is, I believe, at the core of what real discipleship is all about. Yeah, I totally agree. Sometimes we forget that Jesus only gave one command when he was on earth. You can study all the gospels and all the words, the red letters, and there's only one time that Jesus says, this is my commandment. My commandment is that you love one another. And it's easy to go, yeah, yeah, that love stuff. Let's get on to some real serious theology. And we forget that um, spiritual growth, I think in Scripture, um, we, we forget that, one, the, the day of Pentecost and uh, what we would think of as this um, you know, outpouring of the Holy Spirit is uh, really these uh, Jewish people that had been waiting for the Messiah. Peter gets up and he connects the dots. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified is the Messiah. And there is a, a, a moment of recognition where they turn. So um, when we deal with a culture like we have here uh, in the Bay Area, people coming from all different faith backgrounds, we need to remember that the journey to salvation is going to be a process, much like planting a seed, the, the, the analogy that Paul uses in Corinthians of planting the seed and watering, that takes time. It doesn't happen in one sermon. And so the relational component of uh, allowing, uh, we should be living out and reflecting the teachings of Jesus in our life and then looking for, not, not being silent, looking for the opportunities to talk about it. But it's going to take time. There's a, a couple in our church, um, been Hindu, I think, their whole life. And God began to work in their life through their children. And I think that's one of the things that we forget is sometimes the immigrant community, we're going to probably reach them more through their children than we are going to them directly because they're not Christians. So they're not going to show up at our churches um, Christians show up at churches. And so this couple being open and it's been a, a, a period of about six months of listening and hearing and talking. And then finally, I think I believe the teachings of Jesus. I, I'm pretty sure that this is the direction I want to go with my life. Are you ready for baptism? I'm not quite sure yet I'm there. But it's this kind of dance and relationship. And um, so often we overestimate what we can accomplish in the short run and churches are notorious pastors are notorious for this how many people can we get in the building for this big event uh, how fast can our church grow this year but we underestimate what we can do in the long run and more and more you know, when i was in church planting scene you know we would measure if a church made it you know their success after five years 
And now having pastored for 21 years, I wonder if we should change that to 10 years. I wonder if we should begin thinking in terms of life, of seasons of life and thinking, if I invest the next 10 or 15 years in this community, God, what could you do through me? Not what can I get done this week or this year even, but how can I make space faithful service to see your spirit work through what we're doing here in our ministry. So I, I completely agree. The opportunities are here. Yes, the challenges, but it's really an opportunity for us to live missionally and on purpose in this community. And to your point, I think part of the complication related to being here in capitalistic society in the Western world, where we measure success by how many widgets did we sell? How many square feet is the building, what were our sales like, how many attended Sunday school, et cetera, et cetera, failing to recognize that that the totality of the measurement of our success for the sake of the gospel is not strictly in numbers, though so often we tend to be very impressed by those numbers. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting today with lead pastor Josh Roden from Grace Church of Fremont. A brief time out, back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today is Josh Roden. Pastor Roden is lead pastor at Grace Church of Fremont. Pastor, let me pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. I think the other thing, too, and this, I think, really goes to the heart of what you're sharing, Pastor, and that is the notion that we, we sometimes think that matters of, of, of outreach to felt needs or social justice are, are somehow the touchy-feely end of things, and then there's theology, not recognizing that one is really intertwined with the other. For example, you mentioned about somebody coming from a Hindu background or even an individual coming from the Muslim faith for whom the concept of a loving God is foreign to them. The notion is God is someone to be fearful of, someone to appease, someone who is ready to punish me at any move. When you begin to introduce concepts of a God who so passionately wants to walk in personal relationship with his creation that he sent his only son to die on a tree that we might, through that substitutionary work on the cross, be forgiven, reconciled, and then in relationship. Wow, that's that's when, as the kids say, boom, that's a mind blow, right? And so to demonstrate that we love each other and love others in Christ's name as representatives of Jesus here on earth, I think in many respects demonstrates true theology, true religion, as they say sometimes, that, that it's not just the one or the other, but it really is a blend of the two. And oftentimes to reach individuals from these people groups, the ability to really demonstrate God's love is oftentimes the, 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 the foundation, if you will, of being able to ultimately lead them to the cross. Would you concur? Oh, absolutely. Um, when we were uh, uh, serving with City Serves Compassion Network and we the return of the Taliban in uh, Afghanistan, and so we had this kind of gr- group of um, traumatized immigrants, refugees coming, and um, our City Serve churches partnered together to basically provide a, a shopping trip to Target 
and uh, help with just some basic understandings of, you know, how, how the public transportation system works and all these. And uh, I got to do a number of those um, handoffs to the volunteers from our churches here. And you would hear their stories, uh, which were traumatic. One family, they still didn't know where one of their kids was. They got separated uh, coming over the wall and uh, they made it out and they don't know what happened. And you could see the pain, the hurt and the trauma. And then this new country. And here is the first kind of group that is saying, we're going to make time. We're going to, you don't have transportation. We're going to take you to target and got a little money for you to spend. And it was, it was not a huge investment, but here we are. Who's doing this? It's the Christians in the tri cities that believe that this is important. We're, we're glad you're here. Uh, we do love you. And here's why. Can we pray for you? Um, I think that kind of ministry in our context makes so much sense. Now, if you're, if you're simply trying to get your attendance up on Sunday, then it doesn't make sense because it's time intensive. It costs money. But if you're looking to plant seeds where, where, like you said, Craig, this idea of a personal loving God who is so passionate for his creation to redeem them that he would send Jesus. I mean, even if the gospel wasn't true, which I totally believe it's true historically and theologically, but even if it wasn't, I'd still want to believe it's true because that's the kind of God that I would want to worship and love and here we are, we have this opportunity to make a difference. And yes, it means we do diff- ministry sometimes differently, and we try to balance out the needs of the church. You know, as I dealt with church planners, it's like, hey, you got to pay the bills, and you got to figure out what critical mass is in your context, all those other things. But at the end of the day, so much of what we do in church, I think it was Ed Stetzer who said, based on his studies, 91 to 97% of church growth in America is the transfer of Christians from one church to another. Now, that's not all bad. Let's be honest. God does use that. Sometimes we need a new place to worship or changes happen and so on. But we should not be celebrating the growth of our church in the sense that that equates to the kingdom growth, instead recognizing that kingdom growth occurs as new sons and daughters are welcomed into the family of God, not just that they stopped going to so-and-so's church and started coming to mind. Shifting of the sheep, as they call it. And, you know, I think to come back full circle to the notice, the, 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 the notion that we are called to make disciples, not go steal somebody else's, but make disciples. And I, and I think too, that missional approach to ministry, while certainly in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, where we have a very transient population, we have a global tra- population, you talk about an opportunity to reach every tribe, every tongue. Wow, this is it. You want to go know where the mission field is? Go open your front door. There it is. The opportunity, though, in that sense to live missionally, you know, I think sometimes you look at it, certainly in the Bay Area, as a necessity, but maybe it's broader speaking, the mandate that everything that we do should be missional. Whether it's the mission that's just Judea or the mission that's further out in Samaria or the uttermost parts of the earth. And maybe part of one of the challenges that the church in the West is missing is that we have kind of thought about missional living as something that happens in a foreign country that requires a passport to get there as opposed to literally in our own backyard. 
Yes, I, I think that one of the things that excites me most in this season of ministry coming out of COVID and is is that there is a, a renewed desire for something substantive and real. Uh, I think uh, typically here in the United States, the, the approach we've taken with uh, church growth is come, you know, we'll invite you to come. And uh, there are certainly uh, been huge benefits from that approach. And, uh, you know, our church attempts to be as best we can speaker sensitive. I'm not sure there's a church that is trying not to be. Maybe there are a few, but, you know, we want people to understand what happens. But I think more and more we are on the front wave here in the Bay Area of what is going to come to the United States over the next 25 to 50 years which is um, the necessity that the church disciples and equips believers to go out into the community instead of uh, engaging and empowering people in the church to invite their friends and family to come to church and hear about Jesus. I think we've shifted to where people are not going to be as inclined to come to church until they are Christian, which uh, if you were to study scripture in the culture of the day, I think that what is coming to our culture is more in line with what we see in the New Testament. And so that changes. What What is it that as pastors we should be doing? I mean, the, this missional equipping, um, I think, is one, very biblical. But two, I deal with a lot of pastors, um, and there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of pressure this sense of performance. I need this Sunday sermon to be dynamic and powerful. I have guests coming and they need to be compelled to come back because of the great program we had or the worship experience. And and yes, all of us in ministry, we want to do our best. But the reality is, is the, the calling of the pastor in Timothy, as you read about it, it is not to create powerful worship experiences. There's nothing in Scripture about style and all these uh, the ways we do ministry in America. It is, do we disciple others through how we live? Are we an example to the believers in both good doctrine and right living? And I think for many of us in ministry over these 20 years, um, the, the, the constant pursuit of bigger and better, trying to be successful, I think this missional approach is actually... Um, a, a little less stressful, and it's like, wait, why did God place me here to do? I'm, I'm just to live out with my people the gospel. We're going to grow together. We're going to love people in Jesus' name. We're going to trust Jesus to build his church. We're going to do our best. We're going to bring our best. God deserves that. But we're going to let him build his church. But we want to be faithful with the, the basic stuff, discipleship, evangelism, equipping, I think that's uh, I think that's one of the exciting things that's happening right now in the Bay Area. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting today with lead pastor Josh Roden from Grace Church of Fremont. A brief time out back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today is Josh Roden. Pastor Roden is lead pastor at Grace Church of Fremont. Pastor, let me pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. 
you know, the notion and, and some of the stress that you refer to that many pastors find themselves under these days, I think the responsibility for that really rests squarely on the shoulders of the people in the pews, meaning we treat pastor like a rock star. We expect that he's going to have a dynamic message that's going to, people are going to flock to come in and hear the message and then for we'll, we'll come to Christ and stay and all those wonderful things will happen. And yet, if you look at the profile as the true definition of what it means to be a shepherd, it is the equipping of the saints for the work of the gospel. But it is the work of the gospel. It is the, the making of disciples. That's the responsibility of people in the pews. And I think so often we, we, we miss that point. And instead of Christianity being participatory, we take it more spectator. Now, listen, if we compared it to football, it's a lot more comfortable to be in the stands and watch from the sidelines as opposed to being on the field, wearing all that heavy protective stuff, getting hit right, left, and center, and, and then having to get up and keep going and do it for the course of four total quarters. Are you kidding me? My goodness, no, too much work. But, you know, the, the difference between spectator Christianity and participatory Christianity is the difference between the church pews being empty and, and, a, and a church that's, that's afraid and, and running for cover versus having the church powerful dynamic and the building of that true bride of Christ. And, and Jesus is not coming back for a defeated church, but he's also not coming back for a church that wants to just sit on the sidelines. You know, I, I've seen this play out over the years. I would lead assessments at churches in transition and uh, help them with consulting. And uh, one of the things I always notice is that most churches think that the solution to their struggles is a new pastor. Um, and uh, rarely is the pastor the issue. Uh, can be sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Uh, pastors are very human, and and uh, we can you can get the wrong person with the wrong gifts in the, in that spot. But so often, instead of thinking through what's the culture of our church, and we are the church, not you know we need someone to come in that preaches better on Sunday or they can lead a better program. I think that um, this this relational form of Christianity, um, I, I was just struck by uh, getting to talk to Eugene Peterson some years ago, and, and I had a dialogue with him about why he left Bel Air, the, the church he was pastoring, the other Presbyterian church, and he said, Josh, um, he said, I felt like I did not want to call myself someone's pastor unless I was truly able to pastor them. He said there was an integrity issue, and he said, I felt like the church had reached a stage where I could no longer, the church had grown, obviously, he was becoming, um, you know, well-known, his books were getting uh, a lot of ground, and, and uh, he said, you know, I, I, I wanted to pastor these people, and the church was too big. Uh, for me to honestly say I was their pastor. And so I do think that there's this relational element of Christianity, and you mentioned the spectator sport part of it, because what happens is as the pastor becomes more of a celebrity, we do watch, and there are, I mean, if you want to hear good preaching, just go on YouTube. There's incredible speakers that are that are going to preach better sermons than I could ever do because they their giftedness or the time they can devote to it. Um, I'm meeting with people during the week. I'm, I'm building relationships. 
But I think that, that maybe one of the fallouts that we don't realize from that form of Christianity is that um, American Christians are losing their children at a higher rate than almost any other part of the world. And so, and I think what that comes from is if we're bringing our kids to watch a show, a program, then um, they notice that over time. But if we are raising our children in a community of faith where they are known and loved, um, that's why I love the, you know, I, I jokingly say about our church, our church is too small to be big and too big to be small. And so this last Sunday, I saw a couple of our teenagers running the the, the, the media, the sound, the, you know, the different ones in, um, teaching in children's ministry, helping in the nursery. Uh, they're known and they're loved. And I, I'm hoping that that type of a culture is far more compelling to keep them rooted and grounded in Christ. Not that they're coming to church because Pastor Josh had the most dynamic sermon they've ever heard, but instead that this is a community where they're known and loved, and it's a place where they're safe and they're growing in their faith. My hope is that that kind of a culture over these years I've seen it play out. I, I think we have a better chance of keeping our kids in the faith in that type of a Christianity rather than we have the best programs that have ever existed. I, I hope that makes sense. It, it absolutely does. And it's all about engagement. And, you know, it's interesting. If you talk to a parent who's frustrated about the changes of life as the child goes from being 100% dependent upon you to they don't have time for you, right? Which I think starts to begin around the age 12 or 13. But, but I digress. But at the end of the day, parents will say, I, I just long to have a relationship with my son or daughter. Well, guess what? Our Heavenly Father feels the exact same way. And in the end, it's not about sharp sermons. It's not about great musical presentations and the, you know, 100 people in, you know, the choir in dark robes singing their hearts out. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but at the end of the day, it comes back full circle to pivoting on one thing and one thing only, and that is relationship. Christ came that we might be reconciled, forgiven. Why? Because God wants to walk in fellowship or relationship with us. And that is equally as important on the vertical plane between mankind and, and uh, our, our creator as it is on the horizontal plane. And I think when we, we lose sight of that and ministry becomes more about uh, the, the, the programmatic functions of what we do or how great a celebrity our pastor has become, all of those elements tend to be devoid of true relationship. And when you miss out on that iron sharpening iron kind of experience, that's very difficult to have in a group of 25,000 people in some, you know, huge cavernous church. Uh, we're, we're really missing, I think, the very focal point of what the gospel is all about. Amen. As we enter this Advent season, I think our Bay Area culture is especially busy we have um, busyness is kind of the badge of honor it means you're you're needed you're wanted and so we all tend to be a little hectic and uh, stressed out and that begins to ramp up as we enter the holiday season and and I think the holidays are actually a, a great reminder of um, what we would think of as felt needs um, every one of us needs we, we need to be loved we need to be known. We need to feel like we have purpose. 
And the gospel answers all of those questions. Uh, the gospel places us within a family. It gives us a value uh, with our brothers and sisters. It makes us, as Paul says, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Um, I think that's incredible. And, you know, as we enter into Advent, one of my... Um, one of my goals for our church every Christmas season is is the goal that I have because I am a very to do list. Um, I'm, I'm production oriented, uh, and and you know the Bay Area tends to attract those kind of driven people. And so here at our church during the Christmas season, uh, we are simply going to try to slow down. How do we prepare ourselves for the birth of Jesus? How do we hear him and, and, and encounter him through relationship? Uh, I think that's something that every person needs. It's not just Christians. Um, all of us have this longing as human beings, and the gospel is good news because it tells us that we matter and that we are loved and that there is forgiveness, there is a purpose, and your purpose is not found in building your bank account or getting a name on the uh, business card or having some kind of success or being able to afford this car or living here or there. But instead, you know, if you think about it, what is it matters in life most? It is exactly what you said, Craig. It is relationships. You take the relationships out of life, and why do we get up in the morning? And so everything in life that matters revolves around our relationship with God or our relationship with each other. And the more we get away from that in Christianity, I think the less we are grounded in the real-life experience, the questions that people are asking uh, about life, what really matters. And, you know, in the end, certainly has been historically in the 20th and good part of the, the new 21st century here in, in American Christianity, the notion of hang out a shingle or maybe in today's case, a neon sign and they will come. And yet scripture says for us to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And so if we don't live a kind of Christianity that is vibrant, dynamic, relational-centric, and compelling, is it any wonder that there is such a large number of the nuns today, uh, N-O-N-E-S, that don't identify with any kind of religion whatsoever? They're not necessarily agnostic. They're not necessarily atheists. They just are not interested. Although I believe at the end of the day, there is that God-shaped vacuum in each and every one of us. And if the church can demonstrate uh, that we live a, a compelling life based on our vibrant relationships, not only with one another and caring for one another and loving one another, but doing so as Christ has set forward the example, people will look at us and say, you know, I, I don't know about all this Jesus and born of a virgin and died and rose again in the third day business, but there is something different about you. Tell me more about why you believe what you believe. And boy, when, when the door of opportunity, the window of opportunity like that opens up, I believe it is an opportunity for the church to be able to step in. And you talk about the fields being ripe already unto harvest. And God, I think, would argue, but the problem is the laborers are few. So we need to get out there and start bringing in part of that harvest. But to do so, we need to live out that compelling Christian life. 
that's one of the things that's excited me in this season uh, coming out of COVID. Because if people ever needed an excuse to start staying home, COVID provided one. Indeed. Uh, whether it was uh, Fauci or our governor or that local health, you know, stay home. Um, don't go anywhere. And uh, so if you if you needed an excuse, you have one now. And what I've seen in our church over these last couple of years is that those who are coming are coming intentionally. And that excites me. Um, there is a new desire to experience the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And I, really, at our church, I re-emphasis on spiritual transformation and making space to partner with God in the transformative work of helping us conform, be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And of course, that transformative work doesn't take place in a Sunday service. It doesn't take place by accident. It takes place as we intentionally carve out space and time to be with other believers as we gather together around his word, as we study and pray. Now, we ask some tough questions, but that transformative work makes us compelling to the world because they see, ah, there's something different about that marriage or how they raise their kids or, wow, that, they don't seem so driven by money as everybody else that I work with. Um, they're more, they help the poor. They care about others. That's the kind of um, change that honestly we can't fake. You know, as Christians, we can put a smile on and show up at church, but but there's no way to fake the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. It's it's supernatural. Amen. And uh, that's the kind of work that we want at Grace Church, that we want to see what we do for Jesus to be coming out of the overflow of what God has done for us. Because if it isn't, it's going to be short-lived. There's going to be pride involved, or we're going to get burnt out. And so we just attempt, how do we provide people pathways to experience this transformation in their life? And in many ways, that's actually made my job a bit easier, is over the years, my vision has kind of clarified for the church. What, what is it we're called to do? There's all kinds of things we can be doing. So we've really honed in on the church as a place for this um, guidance and community where transformation takes place. Because when someone gets changed, um, then you just set them free and they get to do what God is calling them to do. And uh, that's made ministry a little simpler in the, the last, I'd say, 10 years or so. It's just a little cl more clear. Why am I preaching? What is, what's the point of this program that we've started? Uh, and that excites me because I think that the believer who is transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit, I mean, the, the roof is, it's limitless how God can use us when we are open-handed with him. And what a joy. Uh, it's actually, I think, a, a, a lifting of a burden, that, that paradigm shift from what we have to do from an obligatory standpoint, because this is, quote-unquote, required of us, versus what we get to do out of a sense of joy and delight 
because we know in whom we have believed and we, uh, we have experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ ourselves. And as such, it isn't that we have to go out and share. It's that we want to go out. We get to go out and share this joy. And I think that that's, that's, that's really kind of the secret sauce in all of this. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting today with lead pastor Josh Roden from Grace Church of Fremont. A brief time out back to more of our conversation in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our special guest today is Josh Roden. Pastor Roden is lead pastor at Grace Church of Fremont. Pastor, as listeners have had a chance to really get to know a bit more about your heartbeat and and the real driving force of what God is doing at Grace Church Fremont, take a moment for folks that are new to the Bay Area looking for a new church home and tell us a bit about what God is doing there and an extended invitation, if you would, please. Sure. Well, we, um, we first recognize that what God is doing in the Bay Area, he is, we are all the churches, I believe, are, are we play different roles on the same team. We aren't in competition. And there are so many good churches led by my friends in this community. And uh, I am blessed that I get to serve with them. At Grace Church, I would say um, we really are looking to be a place where people are known, where they know each other. A little tagline you'll see on our website is following Jesus together. And they're not following me. Uh, We're following Jesus, but it is following. We are doing something. There's a participatory uh, participatory element. And then we're going to do it together. I mean, everything's so much more fun together. And so um, we really try to, one, teach the Word of God in very simple, clear understanding is, uh, you know, really important. Um, sometimes as Christians, we use a different language. And so we try to just be very aware of that. Um, I want people to walk out understanding what the scriptures have said and also what it is that it's asked of us. And then um, I think as a church, we are in a season where we have been blessed really abundantly blessed with um, some wonderful people and, and, and leaders and resources. And we are focused on how do we best in this season be good stewards of all that God's given us. And so we're excited about what God is doing through some of our uh, missions work in Mexico and even locally in partnership with uh, Compassion Network. Um, and so I would just say, you know, if you don't have a church, you need one. Um, and if you haven't been to your church in a while, you should go back. Um, and if you want to make this holiday season meaningful, and I think everybody does, you are not going to have a meaningful holiday season. You're not going to have a meaningful life either. Unless Jesus is at the center of everything you're doing. And I do believe that God's plan for the world goes first and foremost through the local church. And so for those listeners, I would just say, you know, um, make space in your life to worship God with your brothers and sisters. Make space for spiritual conversations. And if Grace Church could be a place for you to check out 
wonderful. We have two services, 9 and 1030. Um, and the website's gracechurchfremont.org. And uh, you'll get a warm welcome. And uh, But if you haven't been to your church, go to your church. I think that's important to say. And if you're new and you're looking for a church home, as you've heard the extended invitation from Pastor Wharton, we invite you to check out Grace Church Fremont, 36060 Fremont Boulevard. That's 36060 Fremont Boulevard. And the service times again are Sunday mornings at 9 and again at 10.30 a.m. Complete details available on the web at gracechurchfremont.org. That's gracechurchfremont.org. Dot O-R-G. Pastor Josh Wharton, we appreciate so much you carving out some time for us today. Been a delight to have you share from your heart, and uh, we look forward to the opportunity to do it again sometime. Well, thank you so much, Craig. It's great talking with you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.